Okay, well, today we're talking to, to Kyle, and uh, well, where are you, Kyle, at the moment, actually? Um, I'm actually in Boise, Idaho. Idaho, okay. So so that's kind of getting top left-down corner, is it? Yeah, it is. It's like the last kind of Pacific Northwest state, I guess you could say, a little Near bit. Near Washington <laughs> state, yeah, yeah, okay. Right, now, it, um, we have to let people decide whether they want to watch this video or not. So what's kind of the bottom line on this video, Kyle? Why are we here? Um, so I'm a professional mountain bike racer, and I was vaccinated with the Pfizer vaccine in yeah. June of 2021. That was my second dose, and I had a pretty bad adverse reaction. Um, and yeah, I was just kind of going through the timeline, telling people what, what yeah. my experience was, and then also sharing some resources for uh, other vaccine-injured people. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to be heading to Washington, D.C. in November, November 2nd, to go speak in front of you know the politicians and try to just make a little difference in the support level for vaccine injured people yep. and then also you know speak about vaccine mandates because i believe where there is risk there needs to be choice yes good excellent and of course we're going to put links to all of all of that so so that's mm -hmm. what this video is about so take us back to the to the start of this car you, you, you're you a famous mountain biker aren't you? you've got a mountain <laughs> bike. no you are you you, you mean you've got mountain bike websites and, and yeah and, um you, you and april do all sorts of mountain bike stuff so you you you're a really fit guy basically yeah, I was actually um, a professional racer for many years. I'm 29 years old, yep. and I've been a professional racer since I was 18. Um, Three-time North American Enduro Tour champion, so like, you know, at a high level, it was my job for the past 10 plus years. And then it was really interesting because during COVID, all of the races got canceled in 2020. And so my girlfriend, April, she's like such a trooper. She loves learning new things, and she used to race motor motorcycles, motocross. And yeah. uh, so we started a YouTube channel, and I just, thought it'd be fun to upload some how-to videos to get people through the pandemic and then it just took off and so it grew from nothing to basically 250,000 in the past year yeah. um and so yeah now that's kind of our full-time thing is making yeah. videos and help people learn no that's great I, I ride a bike about two three times a week but not as seriously as you so so it sounds like you're, you're one of the fittest people on the planet before before you had this difficulty you're basically a professional yeah. athlete no, that's yeah i was yeah anyway so so you had the first Pfizer vaccine when when was that Kyle what's the timeline here? um so that would have been the middle of May that, that so would that have been May my, yeah. yeah middle of May was my first dose and yep. um everything went pretty normal first dose you know had a sore arm the next couple of days no big deal and then our second dose was June 10th um mm -hmm. the, the reason we had got vaccinated was you know to be able to travel with our channel this year we were going to try to travel internationally and just meet up with a different a bunch of different friends and sponsors along the way so it's kind of a must-have to travel at that point. June 10th was my second dose. Um, my girlfriend April got vaccinated at the same time, and she had you know same reaction as the first time with the sore arm. And then for me, it was a little bit interesting because as soon as they kind of injected it, I had a weird um, metallic or like saline taste in my mouth develop. And I kind of asked the guy, "Hey, is that normal?" He's like, "No, I don't really hear of that much." So it was really interesting. Like, I wonder what that was, you know? And then. Um, a day or two later, I didn't really develop the sore arm either. And so I was like, huh, this one's no big deal. I guess the second dose is a lot easier than the first. And then about two weeks later, I started to have some weird, um, just kind of reactions to my heart. And so what was happening to me is throughout the day, I could just be standing there or sitting there and I would just have these weird flushes of like really high heart rate and kind of almost like an anxiety attack. How did you know your heart rate was high, Kyle? What, what happened? Um, I wear a Garmin watch, so oh, okay. I have like a Garmin watch. I track all of my sleep and everything, and so I was pretty on top of it. And I noticed my resting heart rate went from you know low 50s up to like 60ish, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then my um, heart rate throughout the day, when I would have those kind of moments, it was kind of in the 90s to 100, just sitting there, and that's not very normal for me. So 
I was pretty cognizant of it. And right away I just cut out all stimulants. So no caffeine, no, you know, tried to reduce everything just to cut out stimulants. Cause I thought maybe there's just something weird happening. And then we actually, I took two weeks off completely of like riding, doing anything. Cause I felt kind of crappy. And then we went for a bike ride about two weeks after that. And um, yeah, on the bike ride, started out normal. I was feeling a little bit kind of iffy, just lightheaded a little bit. And I went on the bike ride and my heart rate kind of went up on the start of a climb. We climbed for maybe five minutes. My heart rate got up to like 160 and then it wouldn't come down no matter what I did. And it just felt like I was going to throw up and I felt just really weak. And I was actually with a friend, um, his name's Bill and he's in his forties. And he just looked at me, he, he grabbed my shoulder. He's like, you're going to the hospital. You look like you're going to die. And so I was like, okay. So we were in Sun Valley, Idaho, which is two hours away from Boise. So I drove, we drove back to Boise. Um, the whole time, those two hours, my heart rate never went below 135. And it just stayed up for two hours. I got home. I couldn't even really walk out of the car to like get dressed because we had biking clothes on. So I got dressed. I was at 150, 160 heart rate, just trying to walk around the house. And then I went to the hospital and I told them, hey, I know this is weird. I just read about the you know myocarditis, pericarditis with the mRNA vaccines. I think I might be having this reaction. And they basically just said, no, you're not. Like he literally said, no, you're not. That's very rare. You're having an anxiety attack. Like I'll admit you, but you're not a priority right now. So I sat in the waiting room for like three and a half hours, just sitting there, like holding my heart, like, oh, you was know, this, I didn't know this was, a, this was a doctor, Kyle, was it? It was at the emergency room, um, at a hospital in Boise called St. Alphonsus. Yeah, and so it was, it was a doctor that told you were having a panic attack. Yeah, exactly. And then I told him, hey, I, I'm not, <laughs> you know, like I know my body, this isn't normal. Something's happening. And all of the side effects I'm having are in correlation with the side effects I read about. Cause I think the day prior to this big instance is when the World Health Organization did an official warning. Um, so I was kind of just paying attention to that, you know, and then I told him, hey, this is what's happening. He said, no, you're not. I was in the hospital for a few hours. They actually gave me a big shot of Toradol, um, which is an anti-inflammatory because I was having like the reactive arthritis as well. And mm -hmm. so he gave me a huge shot of Toradol and it brought everything down. And my heart rate went from like 130 to 110. And he pointed out the thing. He's like, look, you're doing better. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not. Still so double your normal, isn't it? More than. Yeah. I'm like, dude, my average heart rate is like 55 to 60. So this is double. I don't know what you're used to seeing, but I'm, this isn't normal for me. And uh, yeah, he just told me, I'm going to recommend you to a psychiatrist. I think you're having a psychotic episode and just sent me on my way. He actually said it was, was psychotic. Yeah, because he's like, he thought that I was imagining things and, and basically trying to be like anti-vax or conspiracy theorist because of the way that I just said, hey, I think this is vaccine related. Um, and at that time, they hadn't seen any at that hospital yet, to my knowledge. And so they sent me home. Um, I had a lot of people reach out to me because I kind of shared, hey, this is what's going on with me. Um, I got access to ivermectin and I started to take that right away just because I heard a lot of people say, hey, this might kind of hold the spike proteins hostage and just arrest the um, reaction that you're having. So I started taking that, it helped a lot. It like basically stopped my symptoms from getting worse. I didn't get a lot better, but it just like put it placeholder on it. And then um, I ended up in the hospital four days later for a second time. I went to a different hospital this time. <laughs> and uh, I had a really, really strong squeeze on my heart. Like it just cramped and then just started burning kind of uncontrollably and uh, yeah. Is this was, was severe, quite severe pain you had? Yeah, it was scary because we actually were trying to, it was the first time I'd been out of the house in a few days from that first ER visit. And we were at the grocery store and I was just trying to get a little bit of food 
and I was like walking super slow and I grabbed some fruit and I was putting it in a bag and then my heart cramped and I just like dropped everything and just grabbed it and was like talked to April my girlfriend and said hey this isn't good like we're, we're going to the hospital again um and yeah this time they actually believed me and said hey it could be this you know this is possible and let's investigate it as as if it is this and so they referred me to a cardiologist and I was diagnosed with pericarditis and also um I developed POTS which is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome um as well as the reactive arthritis that I've been dealing with so the arthritis came on after the injection as well did it yeah and it was weird because um being a mountain biker you know I've had a lot of injuries and crashes along the over the years and so yeah. it almost felt like all of my old injuries were reactivated so I broke my SI joint a long time ago. Both sides of my SI joint were like excruciating pain. I couldn't even get up out of bed in the morning. And then both my ankles, both my wrists, like my wrists were so bad, I couldn't even put my seatbelt on. So I had to have April help me put my seatbelt on. And then um, it's gotten a little bit better over the past few weeks, but I'm been supplementing with like some black seed oil. And that's what people have been telling me to really use is the black seed oil kind of blocks the um, ACE2 receptors. So that's been helping a lot. And yeah, every time we just start throwing supplementation at it and try to really mitigate the spike protein reaction, which is what I believe is happening, um, then it really helps a lot. But I can overdo it so easy and just like relapse right away. So it's kind of scary. So th 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 this started 10th, 10th of June, two weeks after that. So this is June, July, August, September, October. So four months now you've been really quite ill. Yeah, four months. I haven't really been able to work um, as far as, you know, even doing videos and whatnot because it's really interesting, but even like mental energy, if I have too much mental energy, so sitting and doing emails and stuff, I can actually relapse my physical reaction. So I think there's been three or four times where I've felt really great. And I kind of told April in the morning, like, oh, I think I'm, I think I'm better. And yeah. you know, I get excited and then either I overdo it physically just by like running errands, or even if I try to like start editing a video or something, then the next day I'll just be kind of in pain for a few days and in bed again. Are you kind so, of wiped out with the effort? Yeah, and it sucks that it's mental effort as well because it's like, no matter what I try to do, even if I like read and I read too much of a book or something, the next day I'll just be like so drained. So I feel like very, um, I don't know, I just feel so worthless. And I told April, like, I'm so sorry that this happened so many times because we had all these plans and then, you know, this happened and I've basically just been kind of worthless for four months. But we are starting to get a little bit better, which I'm really excited about, um, especially once I started supplementing with the black seed oil. A woman from an organization called react19.org, she reached out to me after my video that I posted on YouTube and she said, hey, thanks for sharing your story. These are the things that have been helping people that we know of so far. And that was one of the big ones. And that's been helping me a lot. And of course, we'll post the links to this video if it helps anyone else then. That's, uh, that's great. So you're still pretty, you're not right now by any means, are you? I mean, I mean, what, what does the cardiologist think? Does he think you're going to get gradually better or what, yeah, what's the um, prognosis? So in August, I actually did a cardiac MRI and my, my heart was cleared of all the pericarditis. So I didn't have any more swelling present in my heart, which was really good. That was a huge sign, but I was still struggling with all of the POTS symptoms. So yeah. like going from laying to standing, really high heart rate and also like blacking out. Um, so your heart rate was going up to like 140 or something when you stood up. Yeah, it was bad. Like I would even try to just cook like scrambled two eggs and I'd be at 125, 130 heart rate to pass out. So um, they told me, you know, I did a stress test in September where they looked at my heart and said, your heart looks great, but the pot symptoms are going to last for a while. And he told me just to kind of hang in there and it should get better in a year to like 12 to 18 months is what he told me. Um, 
Well, it's a long, it's a long time though for your line of work, isn't it? Yeah, and then he did tell me that you know there are some things you can do to try to help, which is like stay very hydrated. You know, a lot of electrolytes, um, compression leggings to try to help. Yeah, basically just your body. And then also he told me to start exercising with a like supine position, so leg press or rowing or swimming. So that's why I got like a little rowing machine okay. over here. But <laughs> so I'm I'm starting like I can do 10 minutes on the easiest setting on that now. And so so, what, so your exercise actually lying back just as if you're on a sort of recumbent bicycle. Yeah, a little bit like that yeah. because then you're not having to pump the blood so high. But if but I try if... to like walk or ride a bike or anything, I just and yeah out of it drains me. So your exercise tolerance is improving, you feel? That's that's a good sign. Yeah, very slowly. And one thing that's interesting is uh, from a lot of the people that have reached out to me, I've probably had around 50 to 60 injured people reach out to me over the past four months, um, like kind of 30 before my big YouTube video update and then about 30 after. And so it seems like most people at the nine month mark, they really start to feel like drastically better for whatever reason. So. A lot of people just been saying, hey, this happened to me early in 2021. Um, you know, it's about October now. So like people that got the shot January, February, they're telling me that it seems like I'm better now that it's been eight or nine months. And so that was really interesting. There's kind of this weird, um, like artificial time limit on this whole reaction from well, what I've seen so far. Let, 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 let's hope so. Now we know that you were diagnosed with what you call a pericardial effusion car, weren't you? Now that is, the, the, the pericardium is the tough fibrous sac around the heart. Then there's the heart inside that and you've got fluid in between the two. Um, and and that, that, was a, that, that was a definite problem. Did you have to have that aspirated or did that go away on its own? No, I was very lucky. So because I was so in tune with my body and we kind of yeah. got this off, we caught it very early. Um, our, my cardiologist was kind of telling me, hey, you're really lucky because your troponin level, which is a marker of heart damage, I guess, yeah. like you said, is on the myocardium um, versus the pericardium. But the troponin level I had was like a 0.8. And they told me, you know, anything above a one is considered damaged. And so I was right on the cusp of that. And yeah, he told yeah. me that he's had five or six guys come in with levels of 25 to 30 of really high troponin levels and really severe heart damage. And they have all kind of gone through the same process of trying to get better. Um, but he told me I was very lucky that I came in so early and caught it. So, yeah. yeah. So, it sound, so it sounds like your condition is mostly the pericarditis, m mm -hmm. maybe some minimal myocarditis, but not significant myocarditis in the actual muscle of the heart compared to some of these other guys who have troponins 30 times higher than yours weren't. Troponin, yeah. troponin comes from damage of the myocardium. Um, so, so that indicates that you're. Ho I'm, I'm hoping your myocardium yeah. is pretty, pretty good shape. Yeah, I'm hoping so as well. And they did a. So they originally did an EKG and a CKG on me yeah. to check if I had any weird arrhythmias or anything, and they couldn't find anything. Yeah. Then they did an echocardiogram, and he was yeah. reluctant to order the echocardiogram because he's like, I don't think you're going to have anything. I don't believe that you're going through this reaction. They did the echocardiogram, found the pericarditis. And then I did a cardiac MRI and I did a uh, CT scan on my heart as well with radiation, um, with the radioactive fluid. And yeah, it was, so I've had it looked at a million, a million different ways. And they all yeah. said it looks really good. So I was very lucky in that aspect, but now I'm just kind of trying to get back to normal with the POTS symptoms and then also sure. the reactive arthritis. Sure. I mean, how, how, let's do those one at a time. I mean, do you feel the POTS is getting a bit better? Yeah. Well, Gradually. Or, and don't, don't really put words in your mouth. If it's not, tell me. No, it's, it's really interesting. So like I said, on the days where I wake up and I feel pretty good, yeah. you know, maybe I'll go for three or four days where I'm bedridden and just kind of in and out of bed for most of the time. And then I'll have a breakthrough where I feel really good and I don't really have any of the pot symptoms during mm. those those good days. Like I'm pretty functional. 
But then, like I said, if I just overdo it a little bit, then I get back into that system, and then I do experience the POTS symptoms quite a bit. So yeah. it's just this weird reaction where like it comes and goes in waves, and that's what's really difficult about it is I'm not sure how to manage it completely, and I'm trying so many different things. And um, you know, originally we started with ivermectin, which seemed to help temporarily. But what's interesting with that is it kind of as soon as you stop taking it, then all the symptoms just come back. And so I had a doctor explain to me that it seems like the ivermectin is kind of holding those spikes hostage and, and stopping them from interacting with your body, but it doesn't eliminate them. And so once the ivermectin is gone, then it just kind of lets the spikes free flow again. And so then the other thing that we started trying was um, ACE2 receptor blocking. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. like pine needle tea and star anise and now this black seed oil. And those have been the most effective for me. Um, and so, yeah, I started just drinking like a star anise tea. That's like a Chinese fruit from a, um, from a pine tree. And I started making tea with that and that helped a ton. And then um, okay. like Thuja Occidentalist, that's another kind of uh, supplement that I would take. And that seemed to help quite a bit. So mm. I'm trying to and manage the, it, but then it's hard because you're taking so many things, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, and of course your doctor could prescribe drugs that would do that more specifically as well. I mean, yeah. If you needed those. I've been asking pretty, pretty seriously for months and what's hard is like my primary doctor she told me hey my hands are kind of tied because there's not an official treatment for this there's not a treatment protocol so she told me basically i'm i'm not gonna prescribe anything that's not officially you know the right thing to do so it's hard and then it's been interesting to see her um her name's susan but it's really interesting to see her perspective shift over the past three months because when i first came in she was kind of saying hey you know this is really rare i haven't seen anybody with this then month number two when i did my checkup she's like i'm kind of seeing this a little bit more it's really interesting please send me any information that you find i'd love to read about it and learn more and then month three she's like this is a problem and we need to figure this out and yeah it's just the way that my insurance is structured it's with the state so it's really difficult for them to to prescribe things that aren't right approved. yeah yeah, yeah. So, so, so you, you, your condition has is, is, uh, evolved with the state of medical knowledge, as it sounds like. Yeah. So, so, so that was the part. So secondly, the arthritis. What, what, what joints are affected most, Kyle? Um, for me personally, it's like the last four vertebrae in my kind of lumbar spine and yeah. then both of my SI joints. So both yeah. sides of my hip and pelvis, mm -hmm. both my wrists, both my ankles, and then sometimes my like right collarbone. But I've broken this several times, so not too surprising on that one so it is kind of old injuries then that have re-inflamed yeah and that's what's so weird is like i've broken kind of i've broken my right wrist i've really severely sprained my left wrist i've torn the ligaments in both ankles i've messed up my si joint i've had all these different injuries over the years but it just brought all of them back and it almost feels like when i wake up i'm just re-broken <laughs> and i haven't mm. it's been years since that happened so um it's not like i'm in constant pain normally before this vaccine no. mm. I was totally normal, functional, and kind of a go-getter. And then just since this happened, I've just been, um, yeah, just I, I just feel super weak and worthless, which is hard to feel because I'm one of those guys that wants to like do things and help and be active. And yeah. Well, and I, I can I can understand that, but of course, your worth is not determined by what you can do. <laughs> your worth is determined by by who you are. But uh, I, I know how you feel. You you want to get stuff done, don't you? I mean, that's yeah. And yeah. I will say that this whole thing has been like such a great learning experience. Um, for one, just understanding more about how the body works and for two, just really understanding how much there is a need for support groups. And sure. that's been really interesting for me is I've had a lot of people message me um, even after my last YouTube video. And one guy, he's like in his 20s and he told me, hey, I have all the same symptoms. I've been dealing with this for six weeks and I'm scared to tell my family because I don't want them to disown me. 
because you know they're very big believers in the vaccine and that's kind of what was hard is like my mom was very pro vaccine and you know we we got it and when i was telling her at first she almost was kind of like i don't really believe that this is happening to you and then as it's developed she's like oh my god i can't believe this is happening to so many other people so like i said that's why i just kind of took a break and waited um so this happened my big reaction was early july and then i waited a few months to say anything really just because I figured nothing was going to age well, and also the understanding of this being an issue has been getting more and more uncovered, you know? Mm. And the other thing I think is if, if there's any possibility of this inflammatory reaction, I think it's quite important not to exercise. Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of one of the messages we want to get out. You know, you only start exercising when a doctor tells you you can, well, preferably a cardiologist tells you you can start exercising again, because until then, there's a greater risk if people are exercising when they have heart inflammation. That's We don't want to mm-hmm. be doing that. Now, I want to talk about these support groups in a minute, Carl, but before we do that, you mentioned this metallic taste in the mouth. Now, how long after the vaccine was put in your arm did you get a metallic taste in your mouth? Um, so I had a slight metallic taste almost within 30 seconds of administration of the vaccine. And then they tell you to hang out around the store we did at a pharmacy. And they told me to hang out for 15 minutes and it was kind of present for that whole entire 15 minute period and even later into the day um so about two three hours later i still had this lingering things and i was actually trying to like chase it down with different drinks i was mm. like oh man this is so weird that i'm feeling this but like i said i asked them if this was normal they said no i haven't really heard of that much and then now talking to a few other injured people they've had similar experiences as well um and so like you said in your video about aspiration i don't know if maybe that's a sign that they really did just hit a blood vessel or artery or vein and injected it into my circular system you know i mean the fact that a clinician doesn't realize that a metallic taste in the mouth could be a sign of an inadvertent intravascular administration concerns me yeah um, because what happens is if, if the vaccine goes into your muscle then it stays in your muscle and it's going to take oh from an intramuscular injection it's going to take half an hour to be systemically absorbed at all or, or much longer than that but if it goes into a vessel, you get a metallic taste straight away. Now, this has happened to me many times when I've been giving intravenous injections at work, when you when you mean to be giving intravenous injections. And people often say particular antibiotics, for example, or vitamin preparations. They can say, oh, I can taste that. Mm-hmm. And that happens, like, as you say, about 20 seconds after, after the injection. So the fact that you could taste that straight away, to me, is very suspicious of them mm-hmm. inadvertently giving that into a, a blood vessel. The only other thing I can think of which would cause a reaction in the mouth straight away is an allergic reaction. But mm-hmm. did, did you did you have any other features of an allergic reaction? Did you go red? Were you itchy? Did you go dizzy at the time? No, I had no other features of it. And like I kind of said earlier, um, on the first dose, you know, I developed a sore arm a couple days yeah. later and I was like, yeah. oh man, this is pretty, this is kind of gnarly actually. And then the second time I was like, oh, I feel great. You know, I'm totally fine. In April, my girlfriend, she had a sore arm and it's kind of like, oh man, it's really getting me the second time. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't feel it at all. So mm-hmm. I thought I handled it really well, but maybe they just injected it into my vein. <laughs> well, it, 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 it's, it's, it's certainly uh, possible. I mean, so, so basically you're having the inflammatory reaction in your heart and your joints instead of in your arm, which of course is where you prefer to have it. So I think that really is suspicious that 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 part of the reason that you have this problem is that that vaccine could have been given into a blood vessel yeah and i'm sure i I don't think we'll ever know but i think it's possible yeah i shared your video on aspiration um on my instagram page and i had about 
10 to 12 nurses kind of message me and go, oh my God, I've been taught this my whole life and I don't know why we're not doing it. I didn't even think about that. And this is so helpful. Please, like, thank you so much for sharing this info. I'll pass it along. And so I had all these people reach out and go, yeah, I know to do this. Why am I not doing this? You know, like, why are they saying to not do this? So no, it no, was really right. interesting. Yeah. But then, no, one, thank, you, one, thank you for sharing your suffering with this guy. It's a brave thing to do. Yeah. And it was weird because one nurse told me, you know, hey, I've never seen someone do an um, aspiration on intermuscular injection. He's like, it just doesn't really make sense. And I was like, well, have you ever given an mRNA injection before? You know, like this is the first time that these have been really around. So maybe it's so a that, little that, more important this that, time. That's right. The, the, these are micro particulates, even the, uh, the, 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 Astra, the, the adenovirus vector vaccines and the messenger RNA vaccines. By definition, the messenger RNA vaccines have to be given in like a little droplet um, and uh, so it gets into the cells and that is a microparticulate and that gets into the circulation and we know that can cause inflammatory problems. So um, I really am suspicious that this was at least part of, of the reason that you've had this, that had this appalling problem. Um, yeah. Now, to, to go, go ahead, Carl. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just about to listen. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so to tell us about this, uh, th th this event that's coming up in, in Washington. Yeah, so it was actually really a cool opportunity came out of sharing my story on YouTube, which, like you said, is very scary, especially in the time of censorship right now. And so I tried to be very neutral with my story and just say my personal facts of what happened to me. Yes. And uh, a woman who is working with a group called react19.org, yep. they are working directly with the FDA and the NIH on vaccine injury. And they've been working with them. She was actually... Brianne, the lady who runs this, she was injured in uh, December or November of 2020. She was one of the first clinical trial patients. Hmm. And so she was injured and she was one of the first injured people in America. And so she's been working on this for, you know, almost a full year now. And the FDA and NIH have had studies saying that this is possible reaction since December of 2020. And so there's really this big push to kind of, hey, please acknowledge that this is an actual thing because for one, it's hard when you are someone affected and the doctors don't even know that this is a thing, sure. you know, sure. like what happened to me, they sure. just sent me on my way. And for two, the only um, thing they're actually acknowledging currently is the myopericarditis. Mm. So the swelling of the heart. And there's a lot of people that have different symptoms. So you'll see neuroinflammation. So really severe headaches. You'll see neuropathy, you know, the burning and sensation in limbs, the reactive arthritis. You'll have um, epilepsy sometimes, even blindness. One of my good friends, his daughter got the shot and was blind within one hour in both eyes. And she was in the ICU for a week in Arizona after the shot. So it's there's this cascade of different effects that are happening to people. And no, it is not super common. You know, like the numbers are somewhere in the one to a thousand, one to 5,000 range, it seems like. And so if it is something that's not common, then at least make it known that it's possible mm. because it really puts us in a bad position where I say to even like my sponsors or to the companies we work with, hey, I had a, a vaccine reaction. And they're mm. like, oh, it's so rare. It's probably, maybe you didn't, you know, like we don't really know what happened. So it just is a weird situation to be in right now. But we are gonna go speak in uh, Washington DC, November mm -hmm. 2nd, and yep. basically try to, I don't know, just make a little difference and help them see it in a more human light, I believe, because they're gonna have 50 doctors, scientists, and injured people and movie stars, celebrities, all these different people speak and just try to really get the message out. And they said they're gonna have so many people speaking because they wanna spread the target out because everyone who stands up and actually tries to say something is basically a target right now. And that's what's scary is it doesn't need to be that way. 
Absolutely not. And, and, and your condition has been formally diagnosed by, by a cardiologist. What, what more mm -hmm. could you ask for? You, you know, when you went to the emergency department and a doctor told you you were having a psychotic episode, you know, I just can't. You had told me that before we started recording the video, but I, <laughs> I can't describe the, the, the contempt I have for that. The most fundamental mistake you can make in psychiatry or, or medicine, really, is to say that an organic condition is is a psychological condition. That's a fundamental mistake. And the idea that any doctor could say that without a thorough physical examination is bizarre. And the idea that you're having a psychotic episode is ludicrous because you have no history of psychosis. Yeah. I mean, it's just, just not a psychotic. It's just that, that that was just wrong on so many levels. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And it was hard, too, because like the other symptom that I had when I was in the ER that time was like an extreme pressure headache, but it felt like the entire way around my skull. It felt like my brain was pressing against my skull. And I asked him, can you please do like a CT scan and see if what's going on? He's like, well, I'll order it if you want to, but you know, it's up to you. You tell me if you're gonna, if we need to order it. Cause I don't think you're having an issue. And so I told him, yes, please order the CT scan. They did a CT and he's like, okay, it looks good. But you know, just even the fact that I had to like beg to get a CT scan because he thought I was just being crazy. And then it turns out, no, this is an actual thing. And I actually talked to the resource nurse at the hospital and she told me to please, you know, write a letter basically say this is not right and they've implemented new practices so hopefully it's helped some people down the road but well, yeah, yeah it was it pissed me off i'm not surprised i mean <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm amazed that you're you're able to relate this this level of suffering and uh what, what can only be called negligence um or best incompetence so 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 calmly and rationally which is exactly what we need of course to try and communicate this to to, to other people um so the, any, anyone who's worried about this at the moment kyle um uh, support groups is this react19.org is that is that kind of the one to go is that the first port of call do you think yeah exactly and with react19.org they're tracking over 5,000 people currently um they're tracking their symptoms and dealing with 5,000 injured people and like i said the importance for support group is really is really key because just even in that 5,000 person group six of those people committed suicide in the past month because we don't have the ability to speak about this. And if you speak out and you say, hey, I was injured, then you're a bad person. And even some of the families that have had children die, they're trying to get their message out and just say, hey, my child passed away from this, from myocarditis, several days or a week after the vaccine. It's, it's documented, it's well documented this is happening and they're being pushed to the side. So yeah, if you go to the React 19 website, you can put in all your information. You'll be part of the case study of what's going on and you'll actually help make a difference towards you know, the government actually doing something. So I'm not sure how I'm gonna address my speech, but it's, I feel like we're all in a war against this pandemic, you know, and that's what this is. And the vaccine is a great tool to get us through this war for a lot of people. But if people are being injured, you're not supposed to leave soldiers behind. You know, we're being told, do our part, get vaccinated, try to do this thing. And then, all right, you're injured, all right, no liability, no funding, no nothing. And even in Singapore, they, they have a website you can go on for COVID-19 vaccine injury, you fill it out and they help you with funding for your medical bills. But it's like, I don't know, it's just so sad that there's um, such a big push right now to do it or you're a bad person. And then if you are injured, they're like, oh yeah, it doesn't matter, so. I think that, I think that war analogy is really helpful, Carl. You do not leave your mates behind. Mm -mm. You know, you, you do not leave your comrades behind in, 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 a, in no man's land. You just don't do that. You look after You don't them. do that. 
especially when you ask them to do something you know yes. you're you're asking especially america we're being asked to do this or you yes. can't work you can't go to these restaurants you can't do these things please yes. do your part get vaccinated and if you get injured then <laughs> you know f off we don't, so we don't want to know yeah no I yeah couldn't agree more yeah so yeah, hopefully I can do that in a way that doesn't um, upset people, but actually makes a difference, you know? Well, I don't really care about upsetting people. I just want to know the <laughs> truth. You know, this, this whole thing is about truth. You, you do not you do not bolster the cause by, by, by not being truthful. You have to be completely truthful. And of course, that's what feeds into informed consent and informed decision making and all, yeah. the, things, all the things that go with that. Is and this I React like 19 just... A... Sorry, God, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I feel like what's happening now is people are being coerced into making a decision based on lack of information yeah. versus being convinced of a decision based on total information and transparency. Yes. And one thing that bugs me too is like, if you see an ad for Viagra or something on the telly, yes. you know, it's like, oh, side effects may include this, 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 and this. Yes. And yes. imagine how different this conversation would be if it said, do your part, get vaccinated. Side effects may include myopericarditis, yes. neuroinflammation, arthritis, yes. you know. If it said that, and then you went to your family members and said, "Hey, I had this reaction," then you yes. have such a less likelihood of being disowned. You know. Yes. No, and, but those those things you have a right to know. I mean, when we admit people for surgery in hospital, we'll say, "Okay, this is your operation, or this is the procedure. The possible complications are," and and you, you actually you actually run through the complications with, with, with the patient so that they are making an informed choice. Um, and, and we, we can give them the figures. We can show them that, yes, this is rare. That, yes, vaccine is necessary to, to bring herd immunity to the entire population without without large death rates. But no, there are risks associated with it. And the other thing is, if, if you were aware of those at an early stage, another thing that really struck me, Kyle, is, is your doctor said to you when you actually got to a proper doctor, yeah. proper cardiologist says, well, we're glad you caught you early. And so 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 bad that emergency that emergency room doctor didn't take this seriously but but you yeah. actually sounds like you actually got to a proper doctor just yeah. in time whereas if you had if you've been ignorant and not so tuned into your body because you're an athlete then that could have been delayed and you could have well i don't want to think about what could have happened yeah and even if you just had like i was lucky to have good insurance this year but even if i just had poor insurance and i was like oh man i need to ride this out because it's so expensive to go to the hospital yeah. like well let's just try to ride it out and then you're so far gone that you know from my understanding and i don't know if you would know more than this but um it, myocarditis can be irreversible correct if it's bad enough oh, oh, oh certainly i mean but viral viral myocarditis it can, it can be caused by a virus like coxsackie virus it can cause the viral myocarditis can cause permanent damage to the heart and is a life a life-threatening injury that, that's why some people get heart transplant operations because of viral myocarditis um, yeah. i think we i think we know much less about about the uh, although we know there's been some deaths but i'm just so pleased that yours does seem to be improving albeit slowly yeah. and frustratingly slowly yeah um but yeah, yeah, myocarditis is uh, anything to do with that. Well, anything to do with any internal organs, by definition, is serious, isn't it? I mean, you don't, yeah, you know, you don't, you don't mess around with these things. You, you get, you get a, an expert medical opinion, and in this case, a cardiologist, of course, was the correct person for you to, to you to see, and they came up with a diagnosis. Yeah, I'm really hoping that this, with what you guys are doing, like you know, with you putting information out there, that's very thoughtful and well groomed through, you know. I think it's going to make a huge difference because now we can actually have these conversations that need to be had because there's still a ton of people that are not vaccinated that are probably going to need to get vaccinated either for their job or for work yeah. or, or for travel, you know, and it's mm. like if even if it's as simple as, okay, if you aspirate, maybe it reduces the injury rate by 10x. It's like we need to be doing this and having these conversations. Uh, and, uh, absolutely. Yeah.
One thing that was interesting is Brianne from React 19, she told me that the average age of vaccine injury right now is 33 years old. And so it is kind of that younger demographic. And if they are going to be pushing this out to five to 11 year olds, that, that numbers is going to continue to drop, you know? It's not going to be a higher age. It's around 30 years old, you're at higher risk for this to happen. We have to look after our young people, that is for sure. And I would certainly include you in that category. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so th this React 19, is it mostly US-based, Kyle, or is it fairly international? Yeah, so from what I understand, the React 19 is the group working directly with the US government. But there okay. are some other there are some other um, groups out there. And so if you were to be in a different country and you're going through something you don't have anyone to talk to, just go and sign up because they'll help point you in the right direction because they're yeah. tuned in with this whole movement. Yeah. But we'll, we'll put we'll put links to all of the ones that, that, that we know of. And uh, yeah. of course, people can tell us others in the comments and I'll try and collate all these possible yeah. point, and points of contact together. One other thing that's been kind of frustrating is, um, you know, the VAERS reporting system? Yeah. So in the US, we have the VAERS reporting system, and it's really interesting because people are discrediting that and saying that the numbers are highly inflated. Yeah. And a lot of times with the VAERS system, I had to fill out my own report because no doctor would do it for me. And it took me 45 minutes, and it's a really difficult process to actually do it correctly. Mm, okay. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's interesting. A lot of people are kind of having this narrative that, oh, you can't trust the VAERS numbers because it's so easy. People are just making this stuff up. It's like, no, you have to fill out what was your batch number of your vaccine? Where did you get it? What was the date? Who administered it? You know, it's like, it's a much more thorough program than people realize. Mm. So this is one thing that's been frustrating because there are numbers out there, but a lot of times the numbers are just being discredited. So it's like, how do you have an honest conversation when people don't actually take numbers into account? And you've just given a reason there why it might be underreported. So this is the the, the the vaccine adverse events reporting system or, or something like that. Yes. In, in the UK, we have something similar. I think it's called the, it's called the yellow card scheme in the UK. But we have something very similar um, where anyone can fill it in. But it could be a difficult process, as you say. So there could be actual underreporting then. Yeah. And, and what we need is just accurate figures, accurate data, isn't it? I mean, how can you make good decisions on inaccurate data? It's just... It's a quest yeah. for truth. It's a quest for reality. And uh, well, you're a big part in this in this movement of, of helping. Well, well you, are, really you, are now, you are now. You are now as well. It's, uh, yeah. I, I mean, for someone who's suffered like you to share as you have, is is a noble thing to do. There's no. Yeah, I think it's great. So. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to tell us, Carl? Because that's uh, we've been we've been talking for 38 minutes. I can't believe it. <laughs> no, um, I think that the biggest thing is just really this big thing in Washington. I'm really excited to be a part oh, of that. Yeah. And I think yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll on splash Tuesday, that all over the place. Yeah, yeah. If yeah, you can, any, links you, any links you send us, we'll, we'll put them up and okay. and uh, ask people to share them around. And uh, um, and, and can, can people leave comments to you as well on, on, under this yeah. video? So yeah, for talk, sure. With the speech that we're going to be giving on that Tuesday the 2nd, and then on Wednesday, we're actually going to go and, and lobby one-on-one -on -one with different senators and representatives. And I think what is needing to happen that isn't really happening is just this calm conversation about, hey, this is a problem. We need to fix this. We need to address it. Let's let's make a difference. But what's happening is so many of these, um, you know, even stories like my story, there's so many people commenting that we're just so aggro, you know, aggressive, and it kind of hijacks the actual movement of there are people being injured. This is a real thing. And yes, people can be angry. Like I am angry that this happened to me, but, I, but I'm trying to be civil so that we can actually have a conversation with the people that can make a difference.
No, I, I agree. I, I agree completely, Carl. That's that's brilliant. So, thank you for that, Carl, so much. Um, let, let's let's uh, we'll, we'll post that. See what people think. And uh, w- w- would yeah. you be happy to come back and report to us after this conference? Yeah, for sure. I think they're going to have a protest later on the second as well. And there's already 300 vaccine injured people that are going to be on the Capitol steps. So it's it'll hopefully get some um, awareness of this being an actual problem. Because yeah, yeah. depending on what your news media is and what you watch now, it really seems like the, the narrative is vaccines are safe and effective, period. No questions asked. And if you are someone who's injured, it's it's a hoax. And that's not what needs to be happening. It needs to be to be a little bit more transparent yeah it always concerns me you hear politicians saying vaccines are safe now relatively speaking that statement's true but you know i would never give someone a couple of drugs ibuprofen tablets there you know brufen tablets you know a couple of anti-inflammatory tablets i would never give someone those tablets and say they're safe because there's always an element of risk even if you give someone two paracetamol or tylenol you know there's, there's always some element of risk any antibiotic there's an element of risk okay it's tiny but, you know, you would never say that something is safe because to me, safe is such a big word. Yeah. You know, and it's, that's a, how it's, it's always a relative safety. It is. And when we got vaccinated, you know, at the time in America, when I got vaccinated, it was you can't catch COVID. You can't transmit COVID. They're safe and effective and you're going to need it to travel. So we said, all right, we're going to be around thousands of people with our clinics and whatnot. We need to probably get this. We can't catch it. We can't spread it. None of that. And all that's been proven untrue. So it's like we kind of made this decision based on bad information yeah, and right. I, w- I don't know if I could have waited a little bit longer, I would definitely be in a different position now where, like I said, I am very, I believe very much that the vaccine is a great tool in the arsenal to fight this war, but there are a lot of other great treatments that we could look into as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, if you're interested in mountain bikes, watch Carl's, some of Carl's videos, he does all <laughs> sorts of tricks, things I couldn't do. So <laughs> keep you entertained for a long time. So. So, yeah, and thanks Carl, for having me on. Yeah, no, no, hopefully we'll talk again, Carl, after that after that uh, meeting. That would be brilliant, yeah. And uh, thank you very much for sharing your, your what can only be called personal suffering. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully thanks. It makes a difference. Let's hope so, Carl. Thank you.